And everyone said amen. What a delight it is to be here with you and to share this evening. I, uh, I've always felt, now this is not in the Bible, and this is not some kind of special revelation, but just kind of something I've always felt in my spirit, maybe from, from pastoring over 20 years, and that is that if the Lord has a day that he comes back or a time, um, I think it'd be nice if he came back on a Wednesday night, especially if I happen to be in church. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, it's a joy to be here with you. Um, I'm going to just share a few things uh, from the word of the Lord. But first of all, I want to just uh, just uh, say that. Thank you. I'm not going to sing. So thank you. <laughs> if I could, I would. If my wife were here, she'd sing and we'd all cry or or clap or something. But um, I am. Um, I just driving up uh, to this uh, facility you have here and walking through it, and I want to commend you on this. But, but more than just the building and the beauty of it all, it's and it is it's a, an amazing complex. But, but I join with your pastor in saying that there's a great feeling that is a part of uh, the community of this church. You can feel the Christian spirit of people, and everybody is so friendly, and and it's just just a delight to. Uh, be a part of something and be it's refreshing you know we're a part of a world where you're going to work you go on the job i was on the freeway today i know some folks out there need the christian experience and they tried to get me to a point that i needed some more and so maybe i need this wednesday night more than anybody else because just a good drive but one thing you have here is is roads that don't have basically uh the the ditches in the middle of the road uh, we just during the winters our roads just become destroyed and there are all kinds of people on the side of the road just because of the the holes in the road how many's been around the detroit area in your life yeah a few of you know that so so uh, what i'm saying is the truth but the great uh, part about being in that far northern region of this country is that that the Spirit of the Lord is everywhere, and as the pastor said a few moments ago, his arm is not short, nor is, is his ear deaf to where we are, and, and the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ still touches the hearts and lives of each and every one of us. And so uh, I'm just thrilled to be here. And then being with your pastor, who through the years I've watched him and have become a person that admires him. You can... First of all, you feel his spirit, and and uh, I don't know if uh, maybe if if uh, Bishop Kilgore was able to put something on you and you keep it going, but if I can be godly jealous, then I've, I I should have been here yesterday or whatever, and received some of that because uh, uh, there's a, a a just a a goodness about your pastor, and uh, I've already made up my mind if I ever move to this area that I want him to be my pastor. Uh, I doubt my wife will let me do that, but uh, I just uh, being around this great man and you can feel that sincerity in God and the desire to share the opportunities that are found in the church. I'm glad I'm in the church. There's a lot of things about the church that we can rejoice in. We can rejoice not only in buildings and stuff, but but what we're rejoicing in tonight and what we continually rejoice in is the fact that God has been good to each and every one of us. And because each of us have a testimony 
of God's goodness, we can look at each other and say, isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord together? Amen. 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 I'm not going to be here all night, so don't don't get too worried about that. Do you mind uh, standing? Uh, you know what? Stay seated. Hang on. I'm going to read quite a bit, but but I'm not going to preach or teach a long time. So if you'll let me, I'll read quite a bit and then we'll go and, and see what good things that the Lord would have for us. So what I'll do is I'm going to read quite a bit. Then if I don't forget, we'll stand and pray and then we'll go into the word. And so if I forget to pray, understand it's just where I am in life. Have you ever forgotten something? You can wave at me. How's that? Would, would somebody wave at me if I forgot to pray? Say, pray and I'll stop. We'll pray and then we'll get right back to it. So, amen. Now, if you wave too much, and I think, well, maybe they're just getting excited. You may have to wave with both hands, but we'll get there. Let's go to Numbers 13. And I'm going to be reading uh, from the New Living Translation. And uh, not everybody has uh, that. So, so if you'll just let me read. Uh, I'm going to, it's a story that we're pretty familiar with. If you've been around church, if you haven't, it's an exciting story. That's why we talk about it a lot. It it's, starts with the journey of God bringing his people into a land known as the promised land. So, so there was a journey going on that was divinely given by God. God was the one that was opening doors. Remember how they came out of Egypt? And in the land of Egypt, God provides all these miraculous events, but primarily he gets them out. Everybody said he gets them out. So he gets them out of this land. They were in bondage, but God delivers them. And after they get out of the land, they're on their way to the promised land. This is God's promise to them. God said, I want you to go there. And when they get to the edge of it, they send in some spies. Okay. So I want to spend a few moments reading uh, uh, this version of that experience. And, uh, and then we'll go to a couple other Bible stories. And then we'll, we'll try to put together some ideas. And we'll remember to pray, right? How many remember we're supposed to pray? All right, all right, we'll get to the prayer. I'm talking about before I preach, not after, before. After exploring, this is verse 25 of chapter 13. Again, I'll be reading a, a different translation, but, but um, follow it if you can. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Parham. I'm not quite sure where that is. Uh, they reported to the whole community that they had what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. There's even a Starbucks. No, it's not in here. But the people, that's just to keep you awake. So the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. And then they talk about all of these people that were living there. Verse 30, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before the Moses, before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. Everybody say we can conquer it. So notice what he's, there's this kind of, of uh, declaration made by Caleb that said, you know what? 
the land that God promised us that has milk, honey, and other things, that land belongs to us. God has given us that direction, and we can have it. It belongs to us. So, so he's, trying, he's trying to get them to believe God's report, God's story. But the other men, verse 31, who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report. One version says evil report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. The next, the next chapter, it goes into this thing where, where there's this tension going on. There's this discussion going on that simply says, we don't believe we should go into this land. Even though God's promised it, even though they were right on the edge of it, we don't feel like we should go in there. We don't believe we can get there. And in fact, they get to the place that they're ready to, to go back into deep bondage again, back into the land of Egypt. And we also find them saying we want to get away from um, Moses and Aaron and we want to kill Joshua and Caleb. So, so there was this, this torment, this, this feeling, and if I can use this word in the correct way, they were living for the next, well, that generation never went in. And they, they lived in literal hell, going in circles, miserable, never enjoying what God had promised them, what they could. And, and, and they, they had two different voices there, two different stories. The majority of the spies saying, we can't, we're like grasshoppers, we're small, we're insignificant. There's all these reasons we cannot and then there was the declaration, oh, yes, we can. I know it was a popular slogan not too long ago, but can we say that line, yes, we can? Did, did you say that? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. So, so there's, this, there's this story here and story there that was going on. Now, for my final reading, and then we'll pray. If my if if I talk as long as my introduction or reading goes, we'll be here all night. Uh, and somebody said, "No, we can't." <laughs> and I assure you, we won't. Verse eleven is another story that we know in chapter fifteen. Uh, Jesus tells this story. Now, to me, it's a very interesting story. Again, one of these stories that you and I are pretty familiar with. But we're gonna we're gonna pull out some things I think that are very relevant to who we are and where we are in life. So Jesus now, he's been preaching for a while or teaching the writers, giving us kind of what he's been saying. And it says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land and there he wasted all of his money in wild living. Some translations said riotous living or other kinds of living, but he was living wild, all right? About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over all over the land, and he began to starve. Now, something like Detroit, so now I feel much more at home. 
he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods that he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. That's kind of the way it really works in the world, isn't it? You know, when you, when you have some money and things are going well, you have your youth for us that are getting a little older. When you have what they want, they will take advantage of it. But before long, that leaves. Or if situations change in your life and you don't have all the extra, it's most often in the world that we're a part of that people kind of go the other direction. But I'm glad for friends, people like sitting around you right now, that even in good times we, we celebrate, but in tough times we're still there. We're still with each other. Turn to somebody close by and say, I'm your friend to the end. Okay, I don't, I don't know how I got to that. I just wanted to remind, remind you of the greatness of the church. When he finally came to a census, this is that young fellow, the youngest son, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy. Everybody say, no longer worthy. To be called your son, please take me as a hired servant. Now, if you happen to come to Detroit, and I'm reading a lot, you know, I'm getting ready to speak, and somebody says, you say, does he always read half the Bible? Tell them, no, 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 he just, they'll tell you, no, he doesn't. But you tell him, yes, he does when he goes south. Verse 20, we'll get to praying here. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servant, quick. Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf. We have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for his son, for this son of mine was dead and now returned to life. He was lost and now he is found. So the party began. Everybody said amen. Meanwhile, the older brother was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. He asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fatted calf. We are celebrating because of a safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years, I have slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrated by killing the fatted calf. His father said, look, dear son, you've always stayed with me and everything I have is yours. We have, we have had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and now has come back to life. He was lost and now, but now he's found. I want you to say this one phrase with me and then we'll, we'll pray. And everything I have is yours. And everything I have is yours. Say it one more time. And everything I have is yours. Now stand. Lord Jesus.
we come to this service. We carry all kinds of things with us in our lives as we journey. We come, though, at this very moment because of your goodness in our life and you've allowed us this time together. Now, I'm praying that there would be, in the next few moments, a, a, a good word, a word that would make a difference in our lives, a word that would help us to understand Again, the greatness of your love, mercy, and grace that is a part of each and every one of our lives. And we are thankful for that. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, you can be seated. Two sons. Two sons that come to their father. One of them being the youngest seems to be the one that comes to his father first and says to him, uh, I want my inheritance early. It appears to me that it's unexpected. I don't think it was the norm that the young son would come and say, hey, dad, uh, before you die, I want uh, my, my inheritance. The dad quickly seems to be, without much reservation, uh, finds a way to give at least this son the money up front. And he goes and leaves home. He wasted on a foreign country and then he returns home. He returns home and, and after his own struggles of process because of, of wasting all that, that money that he had had in that foreign country, he comes home. And when he comes home, he just wants to be hired by his father's business. Looks like. He had people that worked around um, his house. Probably it was more of a agricultural kind of environment. Probably people working in fields and, and working with cattle and all. He just wants to be hired. He's desperate. He, uh, he comes back with that kind of process in his mind. And his father unexpectedly welcomes him home. He does not expect his father. He grabs him, embraces him, throws a party. And then the young, uh, the elder son comes into uh, the atmosphere of the party, refuses to join in. And then we find a discussion that happens between all of those involved. Now, Jesus is telling the story. So this is this is something that the writer recognizes very important. And he wanted us to know this story. So that's why it is in the word of the Lord. He wanted us to learn some things. And, and you know and I know that if, if you've looked at scripture, you can find something that seems on the surface kind of a cute story. But beneath it, supporting that story is something always very, very important and always, to me, life-changing. So, so there, there's really a story around the story. The younger, ber- the younger son had a version of the story. You see, he was, he was there in that foreign country and he knows, he recognizes that he is in trouble. He understands that he is in a time of problems. He has, 
he, he's got himself into a jam. He, he, he took the money and, and yes, he spit it in ways that, that quickly allowed it to evaporate. He seemed to, to be a person not of much wisdom, but with a lot of wildness. And, and because of that, there was quickly the vacuum that sucked up all of his money. And, and now he finds himself without and he's starving. And as I read to you that he's, he's wishing he could even eat food that was being given to the livestock. He begins to head for home, starts by coming to himself. He thinks about this whole thing, and, and, he, and he realizes that he's going to die here, starving probably, and, and it's alone and by himself. And so he says, I want to go home. And, and, and he said, the reason I want to go home is I want to get this job. But in his thinking and in his processing, he begins to say, I am unworthy. So when you read the story of this young man that had left home, spent everything, wasted everything, was totally broke, dying, uh, was filled with, with, uh, with the desire to, to eat pig's food, evidently, and he evidently doesn't have money, so his clothes are wore out. He's, he's in, in a desperate situation of life, and yet he goes through his story on his way home. I am not worthy to enjoy anything that I used to enjoy. I, I, don't, I don't have the right. This is his story, and he believes that story. So, so as he's walking up the road and, and, and making his way to, to home, he was no doubt stunned because of all of the activities that he'd been a part of. Stunned because of the story that he had told himself. I've sinned against God. I've sinned against my father, my family, my heritage. I've sinned against everything. I've wasted it all. So no doubt when he looks up and here comes his father down the road and runs up to him and throws his arms around him and gives him a big old kiss. I don't even like the sound of that, but it sounds. He kisses him and, and he says, here, I, I want you to get the best robe. And I want you to get a ring and put it on his finger. And, 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 and maybe he didn't even have shoes or what he had was worn out. And he said, get those shoes off or get your feet washed. Get, the, get some nice shoes. No doubt. You see, he's telling himself the story. I'm unworthy. No doubt it was shocking when, when he heard those words that, that we're going to welcome my son home. My son is here. My son that was lost is found. My son that, that was dead is alive. You see, the son had decided already that he was not worthy to be a son anymore. That he could not. But, and that was his story, but the father's story is this. That it's a story about return. It's a story about reconciliation. It's a story about redemption. It's a story about, hey, you are again my living son in my house. Now, at that very moment, there with a father, his arms around him. When I thought that, I, I just thought about my 22-year-old son. And I think, you know, I got my arm around him and I got my... 16-year-old daughter, y'all don't know anything about me, so I'll just throw that in on the side. And also got a little schnauzer and a beautiful wife. But, but the schnauzer is uh, missing me, my wife said. So 
So um, when I get to the goat part, maybe that's what I'll remember him. But the fact of the matter is that that son had a story that he believed. And he told his father. The father had a different story. Now what had to happen at that moment was that the younger son had to decide which version of the story was he going to trust for his life. Was it going to be his story? Unworthy, not able, not good enough. My history is too bad. I've made too many mistakes. I've embarrassed the family name. I've, I, 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 everybody in the community knows that I didn't succeed, but I have been a failure. Was he going to believe his story or was he going to believe his father's story? Because the version or the story that he believed would define the place that he would live in. What story that he would trust would tell everything about where he actually would live in himself. Now, let's go to the older brother. He had a version of a story in this. You see, when he, he's out in, evidently in the fields and somebody reports that there's some happenings going on in the house. Happenings, is that how you say it down here? Some, there's a good time going on in the house. And so everything is happening good. Just back to the happening. Everything is positive. Everything's great. Things are just going on in, inside the house. And so, so he makes his way from the field that he's in. And uh, he's got evidently people working with him that are working their servants that are a part of the uh, activity that's uh, part of the industry that's happening around that house. And, and he's out there working with them. And he hears about the story. And he makes his way evidently toward the house. And when he gets in maybe the backyard of the house. And there he's standing in the backyard of the house. And he's talking to um, his father who comes out to him. Father invites him into the party. And, 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 and his story is this. His story is, I have been here for years. I've been obedient. I have never, ever disobeyed. And dad, you never gave me a party. If you even notice this, and I just, I, I don't know, I, I think it's pretty sure that I didn't hear that he even said his brother's name. His brother, he wouldn't say his name. There was this anguish going on inside of him. He said, I've been around here obedient for years. I've been, I've been faithful. I've been a part. I've been at every Wednesday night service. And I've been in every Sunday school meeting. And I've been in every choir practice. And, and I, I've been at every whatever, ever, ever. I've been a part of all this stuff. I've been faithful. This is my story. And he said, and, and, and I, I work like I was a slave. For you, Father. I, I was there. I was there. And he said, and Father, I've been good to you. And you didn't even, you got the fatted calf. The one we've been saving. The one that was the best in the, of the best that we have. And, and, and you wouldn't even give me that old goat. That's what I was saying about that dog. Uh, he, he, you know, a goat doesn't have a lot. Now, I'm not a goat eater. But I think a goat doesn't have a lot of, not like a cow. Not like a fatted calf. A goat just eats whatever and kind of 
I don't want to say mangy, but lean. And, and so, so a goat would just wherever. And, and, and so he, what is he saying? What is his story? His story is that, that I've been obedient, never disobedient. I've never enjoyed a party. I've, I've been a part and I've never had anybody say my name and, and call out my name. And, and I, 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 I've been a slave. I've worked hard for you, Father. And, and, and Father, you've been cheap when it comes to blessing. My life, you've been meager talking. You see, he thinks with his, he thinks that his, his father deals with his younger brother with a different set of standards and he thinks his father, his story is that his father is unfair, is wrong, has shafted him and he's furious about the whole event and he's standing there repeating and telling his story, just this is my story. This is my story. This is my story. I believe the story. And, and this is the story while the party is going on inside. Evidently, the house or somewhere nearby. That was the older brother's story. Now, the father has a story also. It's a story of, of course, responding to primarily the older brother. He's seen the younger now he's talking to the older. He's welcomed the younger. Now he's talking to the older. And this is really what he says to that older brother. He says, I want you to know that you have everything. You are standing in ownership. You are standing in the middle of the, re- the, the cause for celebration. That, that, that everything that this is the father's story, not the son's story, not the elder son's story. He's saying that, that you are not involved in, in being a slave. It's totally different. If you look at him, he doesn't, he's not a slave master. If you really look, take away that, that, that older story, the older son's story, and you look at him, he's not one that is a slave master. He's not one that's cheap. When they wanted the money, he said, sure, here's the money. When, when, when the younger son came back, get the fatted calf, get the best robes, get a ring, get some shoes. I mean, he's not cheap. And then he says to the elder son, Everything, the land you're standing on, the, 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 the house that you look at, the fields that you can see as far as your eyes can view, all of that is yours. You own everything. But he redefines fairness. You see, he never, the father, never started out to be fair. Can I tell you that grace and generosity aren't fair? That that grace really isn't fair? Uh, there's a story. Um, I told you I wouldn't go to too many Bible stories. But let me tell you this one real quick. Jesus tells this one. He tells a story, for example, that I think expresses grace and the generosity of God. Maybe maybe this is more my personal story, but this is the way it works. It starts off like this. He said that he's, he's going to hire some fellas to work for him, and he goes to town, and he sees some guys, said, you want a job? And the guys say, if you were from Detroit, there'd be 10 people stand up, say, yes, yes, yes. And, 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 but the fact is, the guys said, yes, we go to work. He said, okay, uh, I'll pay you. And uh, <clears throat> if you don't mind, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a few of you gentlemen. Is that okay? 
everybody okay? I'm not going to, you're not, you're going to stay seated. You're not moving and you're not preaching. So everything's good. All right. I promise not to embarrass you if you promise not to embarrass me. We're good. All right. Let's make the amount uh, $10 a day. All right. Back in the day, that's good. You know, it's not so bad if it's $10 after taxes. It's real good. But nevertheless, $10. We make an agreement. You work for me for $10. All right. So $10. That's our agreement. All right. Deal done. Man, you're, you're first class. Anyhow, so he goes to work. You stay right there. He goes to work. He's working. A few hours later, I'm looking around, seeing the job's a little getting, you know, I got to get the job done. And all of a sudden, he goes, hmm, I see another fellow. Hey, you need a job? The guy goes, yep, I need a job. He said, okay, look, uh, I need the job. Let's make a deal. He said, if you don't mind, I'll pay you 10 bucks. All right? Let's make it 50. Is that 50 better? I think it would be better for the story. All right, we'll make it 50. 50 deal, all right? Start all over again. Erase the 10, put the 10, put a 50 there. Put a 5 where the 1 is. Got it? All right. Everybody likes to go up. If you go down, it's bad. Up, it's $50. $50. We come around three hours later. I make the same deal, 50 bucks, all right? Three hours later, 50 bucks. Uh, we get down to the last hour. I look around. I got to get the job finished. I mean, I need it done. And when I look around, I ask you, say, are you doing anything? I need one hour's work. He said, yes, I'll work. 50 bucks, Okay? Come payday time. Jesus tells a story. Now, payday time comes along. See, in the day, got the job done. We're all celebrating. And I walk up and I pay you. Uh, okay, I don't want to hit your hand. One, to count the, the number. These are $10. Now we're back to 10. One, two. All right, we got to count it here. All right. Okay, there you go. 50 bucks. There we go. You can keep counting. So I gave him 50 bucks. And then I come along. One, two, three, four, five. 50 more bucks. And I come back. One, two, three, four, five. Right? That's 50 bucks. And then we got our last 50. One, two, three, four, five. So, everybody's got paid, but not everybody's happy. Because this guy shows up. And he goes, wait a minute. I got eight hours. And I only got 50 bucks. And if I remember right, I saw a fellow that only showed up for the last hour and he got 50 bucks. But Jesus said, it's none of your business how I deal in my business. Really what he's sort of saying, I think, to all of us is this. God's been good to some of us a long time, right? I mean, God's been, somebody's been on the journey for a while. But I want to tell you something. Somebody walks through the door. And, and the other day, I've got a young lady I've been working with quite a bit. Her family, it's, it's an incredible story. Can I, can I tell a quick little story? This will be real quick. The story is, 20-some years ago, this young lady comes to church. And because of tradition she came from and all that, uh, the, the family got very upset because she stepped outside of the tradition that she was raised in. And she's a very devout person. And, and, but she found a beautiful experience in the Lord and she was so excited about it. But the family said, no, we don't want to even say your name. And it was kind of, it was an ugly family thing. Let me tell you somebody, if, if, if you got a family situation, get rid of it and hug each other, love each other. I don't care how different things are. This is a special word for somebody, uh, Maybe me again, but but just it's, let's just get along and love each other. All right, we're gonna love each other. Everybody gonna love each other. You gonna go? All right, if you got a problem with somebody in your family, get over it, and because it's not worth it. It's really piddly compared to life and all that kind of stuff. And you'll feel bad at the, one of these days. So don't just get over it. All right, we got it settled. Everybody got over it. Good, settle all that. Uh, but she, she for years she just came to church. She loved God. And, and was faithful. Um, niece gets in trouble. A girl, beautiful young lady. I mean, everything. But she got caught up in the drug world and, 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 and got addicted to heroin. 
And, and, and again, when you get addicted to something, society begins to take advantage of you. And just as a young teenage girl, she gets involved in things that, that lead to a lot of courts. And, a lot, and, and of course, when things get down the road, uh, sometimes difficult situations, God is able to bring the church. And we sometimes are our best. That's why we don't mind helping people in most difficult times. Most people don't need God, life, or anything else. But in difficult moments, sometimes that's when your light is able to shine the most. That's why you need to smile when other people are not smiling. And, and you go to them. If they don't come to you, so what? You still got, you let your light shine. So you go around. You, that's why you just want to love everybody. I, I got to get done with this thing. But the story, this was that short story that's getting longer. Uh, the fact is that at the end of the day, uh, this, the girl got in trouble and, and being involved with the courts and doing the good things pastors do, praying and working with families. Anyhow, her dad, who had not even been to any church for 37 years, comes, comes by, and he only comes to church one time in mind. He comes one time. He comes to say thank you to Pastor Hall because Pastor had been good. He's a great guy, but just, you know, church is not his thing. And, and, and now, two years later, he hasn't missed but one service, and that's because his elderly mom, who is 85, who last year, uh, on a precious Wednesday night, everybody say Wednesday night. I know you're the best bunch because you're here. Because on a Wednesday night, unexpected, we took an 85-year-old lady who walked her way to the waters of baptism and carefully and in a beautiful moment of faith, she was baptized in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The beauty is that she gets just as much heaven as we do. That's the beauty of this thing. And and we don't have to worry about other people. You don't earn this thing. You see, the generosity, the grace of God is not built upon whether we earn it or not. We have never earned it. I've never earned it. Yeah, I got pastor in front of my name, but at the end of the day, it's just sinner saved by the grace, unmerited favor, the goodness of God, the blessing, the generosity of God's grace and mercy. I think somebody ought to give the Lord a hand clap for the blessing of the Lord. So the prodigal son, I'm going to wrap this up here in a moment, and we'll be able to play. We'll just play something soft. Not yet, but just, just get in your head. Just sort of like the prayer thing. Just wave at me if you think it's time. But the fact is that, that, that when, the, when the prodigal son, that's the youngest son, returns home, it was the opportunity for, for the father to practice profound unfairness. You see... Um, The son, the younger son, doesn't deserve the party. But that's the point. That's the point of the story. He doesn't deserve it, but he gets it. You see, people don't get what they deserve when it comes to the grace of God. And parties are for the sons who throw away their inheritance. So I'm going to jump right here for a moment and tell you those of you that are part of this church community that this church isn't made for, for, for those who think they earn their way to heaven. But this church is made to throw a party for those of us that need to find forgiveness. These altar area this time is for those who just want to feel God all over again 
all over your heart and life. And nobody, you know this and I know this, nobody gets more excited. Church is church. When one person says, hey, I just walked in here. I feel God. Can I pray? I will tell you, everybody in this building begins to say, oh, thank the Lord. Let the party begin. Somebody that was dead now has found the wonderful life that is discovered in the resurrected Christ. One more time. Let's clap our hands together. Now, whose story will the older brother trust? Let's let's go ahead and finish this up. Whose story will the older brother trust? Whose story will the younger brother trust? You see, the difference in these stories is the difference between living in heaven or living in hell. No, I understand eternity. I'm talking about though in the proper sense, but talk about I want to talk about life. The difference is. You see, they were both in the same yard and hearing the same music in the same location. But the question that they had to come to is what am I going to believe in my life? Am I going to believe in the party that's going on or am I going to believe in the unworthiness that is a part of a essence that I've adopted to my life? Am I going to be one that believes that the party is for me or am I going to believe in the anger I have, the unfairness that seemingly is going on around my life? God, you don't seem to be fair. The difference in what story you believe is the difference of whether you're going to live in the blessing of a heaven or are you going to live in a literal hell you see you can be you can be one that walks into the service tonight and you could say i'm i'm just i'm a failure i failed i'm a failure i'm a failure i'm unworthy i gotta come enough times enough wednesday nights and then i'll finally be able to to feel worthy enough to worship god you can believe that story but be in church is miserable because every time you're in church you feel like i'm just not good enough i just don't have enough. I don't know enough verses of scripture. I, I can't. I don't know how to pray pretty prayers. I don't know these things. And, and you can buy into that story. And yet you're in the place of the party. In the place of God's blessing in your life. Or you could believe this story. You could believe the story that, you know what, God, you seem like you've been unfair to my life. You could, you could say, God, I... I've got myself attached to some things. I've been, God, I've been, I feel like I've been a slave in my, my journey. I've, I've been obedient. I've been, I've been one that's been there, been there, been there, been there. While others have been out there. I've been here, I've been here. And yet, could it be, I've been around this for 56 plus years now. But could it be that I could be in a church service? And look at God and say, God, you haven't been generous to me. Somebody else that, that doesn't deserve it, they come and they're blessed and they're enjoying it. And I'm thinking, you've just given me goats. And you're giving them fatted calves. And I have felt like a slave to God, just trying to live by the rules and the direction and all that. And I feel in myself a little anger. 
about how things are getting paid out. Oh, yes, in church. Oh, I meant in the yard. And yet, in church, but inside, the story that you're believing has placed you into a literal hell. Got all the pins, but in hell. Know all the verses, but in hell. But I think what we're to hear tonight is simply this. And that is, we're not to believe those stories about who we are, what we are. It's not a story that you and I bring in here that defines us. But it's a story of the Father. And the Father simply says, for you and I, it's grace. And with grace, you own it all. You can have robes that you don't deserve and lands that you did not. Yes, you didn't earn them. Not anybody here. We all know that we live by the amazing grace of God. Would you stand with me?